What's up, world? I go by the name of Jabari. The Words of Friends podcast is back. We've been away for a little while. I've been super busy traveling, a lot of different places, a lot of different work, but I'm back. And um, this is an interesting podcast because I met one of these guys a while ago, and then I met uh, the other two recently, and we just connected, and I feel like these guys have a lot of good things to say and a lot of insight about things that are sort of touching us all and... and and um, and we all can relate to as it, as it relates to, to tech and entrepreneurship right now. Um, as you guys know, if you want to support the podcast, you can leave a tip as little as $1 at patreon.com slash jabari. Patreon.com slash jabari. That's how the conversations with these entrepreneurs can keep going. And that's how we support the podcast. All right. But we're going to get into it. Without further ado, I've got Chris, Ram, and Brian right here all Programmers, tech wizards, geeks, but still cool at the same time. Um, I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves because you two of you work on the same company. One um, does, a, does a few other things, but yeah, so we'll start with Chris. Just go down the line, let the people know who you are. How's it going, world? I'm Chris. Uh, my business partner, Ram, and uh, Brian, we started... Uh, Developing and and we tried to make Uber before Uber actually came out. Uh, it was called GrabCabs. So uh, we took our first shot, you know, doing development with that. It didn't work out too well, so we decided to branch off and start doing our own things. And we've gotten success over the last couple of years. Cool, cool, cool. Hey everybody, <clears throat> I'm Brian. Following Chris's story, um, I'm the lead Android developer at. A company called ByteMark that does a lot of the transit and mobile ticketing apps throughout the world. Um, I also teach classes at beginnerprogrammers.nyc um, in New York and Midtown, uh, more, mainly in the Microsoft building. Um, and it's pretty much what I do aside from making side projects and apps and other businesses and branching off of that. Cool. Ram? Yeah, I'm Ram Barouette. Uh, uh, going off of what Chris was saying, I'm the co-founder of Nimbus. We develop apps, applications for different clients, and we also make side projects in our free time for ourselves. Uh, originally, I was in IT and I was doing computer repair before I got into this, and then uh, I picked up programming uh, after starting GrabCabs with these two other guys, and so far, uh, it's it's become my passion to make new projects and applications and we're hoping to make something bigger in the future cool um now Rev, let's talk about how we met man we met <laughs> at one of my parties in new york maybe what close to a year ago yeah yeah um how, how did that even happen man i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah it's a good, funny story yeah i was one of, at one of the various colors parties uh that he, he throws uh and this one was in new york in brooklyn uh, and I, I, I had heard, I knew he was the one throwing the parties, but I didn't know who he was exactly. Uh, some, uh, my friend Chris told me, I think that it, it is there's Jabari over there when we're in the parties. I, I went to the party with Chris, and uh, so I, I, I approached, <laughs> I approached two women that uh, <laughs> that I saw in the crowd. Uh, one of them happened to be a, a friend of Jabari's, and. Uh, you know, so I, I talked to them not knowing they were friends of Jabari's, and then, uh, like, eventually, Jabari approached <laughs> approached a friend, <laughs> yeah. and um, and yeah, and then uh, 
and we kind of messed from there, uh, which which was a funny story. We ended up getting dinner afterward with uh, for the women, and and we all connected and found out we had a lot of similarities. And you know, as as young entrepreneurs, you know, we pretty much clicked, took each other's contact, and we had we had like conversation until like seven in the morning yeah. before this guy uh, took off to come back to LA. Yeah. Uh, Crazy, crazy, man. It's funny how things like that just work, man. And now we're sitting in this room, sort of, a year later, met you two. How, you know, you guys have a, an interesting story about um, each teaching yourself how to code and how to program. Talk a little bit about that and why did you even find the need to want to, you know, learn how to write code? Well, I guess... Uh during the grab cabs phase in, in which we were trying to make that that Uber app basically <clears throat> we had we had found a company to make the app first and we had gotten a, a bit of funding from family and friends and once that was done and and we sort of went down that route and saw that it didn't work we were pretty much left uh, penniless <laughs> so with that said um, we decided that if we were ever going to create another project that we we had to learn basically how to program on our own. Um, I think Ram and Chris had a, a quite quite a different experience than I did because they took a class. I'm sure they can elaborate on that. Um, I pretty much went online and did as much reading and taking as much free online material that I possibly could. Um, and I would just sit in my house from like sun up to sundown, just programming and eating for like a few months. And um, I actually went to get an internship as an Android developer um, at the same company that made the app for us. So that, that was pretty much my entrance into hardcore programming, so to speak. Now, let's talk about GrabCabs because uh, you guys told me the story. And so I obviously know the back end. But what exactly was GrabCabs? Um, you know, you guys call it a lot of times the Uber before Uber. So yeah. talk about the inception of that and, and how you guys thought of even making that. Well, uh, well, Brian, uh, we met in, in Queens College, and uh, you know, he frequently came to my house. He didn't have a car at the time, uh, and I had a car, so you know, sometimes I would you know, pick him up or we'd ride back to my house. But at times when it was late, he had no way of getting home. And so this guy would always ask me, do you know a, a cab number uh, like I could call around here uh, um, just so I get somehow get home? And I was like, nah, I don't take cabs. I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to, to help you out with that. So we always have to quickly try to Google or find a cab company in the area. Uh, and then it led to discussion how he hates the whole, like, this whole system of trying to find a cab or trying to find a driver to pick him up. And, you know, we, you know, we started brainstorming uh, different uh, ideas of what's wrong in the cab industry. Uh, and, and more and more we, like, dove into it. And remember, we had zero experience or knew nothing pretty much about tech products and on that front like more and more realize there's a serious problem that needs to be solved in transportation so you know I, I called over Chris because uh, Chris lives very close to me and uh, you know we all sat down and we started brainstorming how we could kind of come up with a digital solution for this and like just pitching back and forth we realized like you know we need to make an app that allows you to get a cab instantly no matter where you are uh, and you know so we <laughs> us three being inexperienced, we embarked on like this journey to try to uh, build a product that we had zero experience in. Um, and at first, uh, we we approached like family and friends to try to find if they knew any programs since we literally had zero experience. I mean, we we're like uh, from ground up and 
when we realized no one would be able to help us with this, we went to Craigslist to try to find a random developer. Yeah. FYI, it's not a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> I don't recommend doing this at all. Um, I, but, I mean, your experience may vary. But um, so, so originally, so we put out an ad. Uh, it's it's a crazy story actually. We put out an ad uh, that with the exact features, like a, a basic overview. We weren't specific of what we need built, and we're like, hit us up if you're capable of building something like this. So the first the first cool response we had was um, was this this these random two guys that had supposedly a company that made apps, and they said, all right, let's let's meet up and we can discuss things further. So. Uh, there's there's a yogurt place called Red Mango yeah. <laughs> out, out in New York, and we're like, none of us had an office. We're all like 20 years old, or like 19 years old. Like none of us have any. So we're like, let's just meet them up at Red Mango because we don't have an office somewhere to meet them. But we were shocked that they didn't have an office either. But yeah. we were figuring, you know, we're another, on another FYI, that's a red flag. <laughs> yeah, red flag is don't don't go to yogurt place for a meetup <laughs> to make your app. But um, so they they come through, and when we sit down, uh, we realize like. None of us had gotten any food, right? Yeah. Um, but then, so I, I don't remember if Chris w- went to go get iced tea or something like that. And then um, we were like, oh, are you guys getting anything? And we realized they both looked at each other and one of them went to go get a drink. But the other one was like, was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. And it, it looked like right there that they weren't together. It looked like... Oh, yeah, they, they weren't really. Uh, yeah, they weren't really. They weren't really a unit, uh, and we, we didn't realize that it was just like uh, pretty much a scam, like company that had come together. And um, so like we, we kept going with talks. Well, the, the thing about the funny thing about these talks is that like when we wrote the bare bones basic for like the you know this description for the app that we put on Craigslist. We purposefully omitted so many things because we were so scared about somebody stealing it. You have to realize that, like, there was nothing out at this time. This was, this was actually a year or maybe a year or two before Uber. Um, So when we go have these meetings, it'd be like very cryptic conversations about them saying, (laughs) "What do you want to get done?" And we're still not really answering the question because they didn't sign an NDA and everything. So the whole sitting down having a conversation over Red Mango was. It was funny if you look back at it now, but we were so serious in that in that room at the time. It was hilarious. Yeah, I was gonna say um, the like we almost got caught in the scam. What was the scam though? Well, first off, they these guys they weren't even a company, Uh, Uh, and uh, and the guy the main guy that that we had contacted wasn't developer at all. I don't even think he knew anything about tech, Uh, and about. A week later, like we had actually formalized kind of an agreement, and they said they were going to bring the contract to sign. So when we met up, and they brought the contract, you know, I'm reading through it, and you know, it was like an eight thousand dollar contract, something, you know, for for us was huge at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're looking at the contract, and we're like, all right, we're going to go for this, and we go and realize there's no sign page on the document, <laughs> and we're like, dude, there's there's no page to sign here. He's like, oh, he's like, uh, well let's just put a dotted line with pen to sign here. And I was like, these guys are frauds. I was like, yeah, we're out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and that was it. So we ducked that. And then um, we ended up getting another crazy developer, which failed us again. And, and you know, we, we sort of skimmed over this, but we actually talked to a ton of people from Craigslist. I, I would say in total, maybe like 10, 10, 10, pe- different yeah, 10 different, 10 to 12 different people. Wow. Um, so when we were talking <clears throat> to this group, these two guys, we wanted it as much as they wanted it, which probably led it to, to even go longer than it should have. 
But that was kind of like the last straw and the red flag. Is maybe this is just a sign that we yeah, yeah. We, we shouldn't do it. Yeah. Although the next guy that we happened to talk to right after yeah. was actually a good guy. Yeah. Um, a guy, and he he was um, he was a single. He was just an individual guy. He knew how to program, and he he basically took on this task and and we were going on paying him in parts, and he was doing really well. The only problem was that we realized the scale of it was just too much for one man. Mm-hmm. Like he did as much as he could, yeah. and he actually put in a, a lot of work. And you know, at the time we were pretty angry because we didn't get what we wanted. But he really did so much work, especially now being on the programmer side. Yeah. To know how much work he actually did was incredible. Yeah. Um, but either way, we couldn't get it done, um, and we realized that we needed something much bigger. Um, and we needed to actually go to someplace real, and that's when when Ram actually approached us with some some place that he had found. To this day, I don't even know how Ram, Ram found it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on my on my final strand on Google on on Craigslist, yeah, I found an actual company which was budding, but in, in Manhattan, and we actually had a real meeting, and that's actually where Brian works now. Uh, at the time, uh, and they were willing to to build our platform, uh, and they had a full experienced team, so it was like. We, we finally got the prototype done at that point. Um, and a- afterward, uh, we tried to launch the prototype. We signed up a few, we signed up almost 100 drivers. Uh, we did like guerrilla marketing to get. Uh, yeah, how did you get these drivers signed up? It was really, really guerrilla marketing. Yeah. Uh, we drove around. At that time, I was driving a, a 92 Nissan Sentra. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> It was it was it was it was uh, the fanciest whip on the block, and uh, we, <laughs> we were we were drive we would drive around in New York City in the wintertime is it's one of the worst yeah, the harshest places the people the temperature everything yeah. it's just it's just bad vibes so we would drive around and literally see cab drivers on the street and give them a flyer uh, and just really give them the pitch right there in their faces wow. so it was extremely guerrilla marketing. What, what was the response like? Were people like, yeah, we're gonna sign up? They were they were tentative to say the least. Um, mind you, you know this was training them was was a big part of this because they weren't used to it. Nobody had heard of an idea like this. So this is this is even at the time that you have the prototype and the app is in the app store. Uber doesn't exist at this point. Well, Uber uh, does exist at, by this by point. This point they, do. they are not in New York. Um, okay. so at this point, we're on yeah. our second time around right. building the app. Yeah. There. So this is actually the second version of the app. I mean, by this time, Uber is around. They're in, like, San Francisco gaining traction, um, as, as well as a few other places. There are, like, two other apps of notoriety, but Uber was, was the, big, the big fish. Yeah. And we, like, like Chris said, we were rolling around. We spent our last couple hundred dollars making a bunch of flyers, and we knew that this was the end game. We are just going to walk, do guerrilla warfare on the streets. Yeah. Every driver we bump into, um, I remember... The first day that we went out, um, we had actually been really cool um, through one of like uh, our girlfriend's cousin. He worked at at a cab base, and we we went to talk to the guy. We went to talk to his drivers, and what we were shocked at um, because during this time we did a lot of research on the cab industry, on laws, on rules, and everything like that, and we took a lot of things for granted, like we. I think we looked at the statistic for smartphones in uh, the United States, and at that point, maybe it was like, I don't even know, was it like 70%, 70%. 60 to 70% of 
of everybody owned a smartphone at that time. And that's one of the reasons why we said, okay, great, the world is ready for it. And it was funny because when we actually went to our target market, the demographic, I would say maybe about in certain areas, yeah. maybe like 50% of them had smartphones. I would say even Sometimes less, even less. These guys, like, find, finding a driver with a smartphone was almost impossible. Work. Like, when, when we say we got, uh, like, between 100 to 200 drivers to sign up, you have to realize we probably, we talked to thousands. Thousands. Yeah. So, you know, we, we also started to realize later on that um, basically the drivers that did have the smartphones fell in the category of, like, the luxury limousine and nice cars and stuff like that. I realized that those would probably be the guys that benefited from the marketing best. Um, but we're also having a bit of trouble switching around like the the angle in which we were going to direct it at um, because we had been completely out of money at this point. So making any change to the app, even in the slightest bit, would, would cost us more than we had. So at, at that point, uh, we were forced to stop. And um, I mean, when we look back at it, uh, we realized like a learning experience. Like you, yeah. you, that was our first go around, and you know it. Like we want to discourage anybody from trying to do something because like that, that failure led us to build better things and, and get not better, but <laughs> um, build great things afterward. Uh, but at at the time, you know, just like the amount of work you have to put in uh, to launch something, like led us to be really disappointed. Like we were down for a few months, but then you know. Everything came around. Do you think what was the biggest lesson in in that process? Was it learning that you need a certain amount of money to do things? Was it learning that if you if you know how to program and write stuff on your own, you'd be in a better position? Like, what was the lesson there? I think there were so many lessons. I would say some major ones fell into the category of if I could go back. I probably wouldn't have stopped. I probably would have kept it going. Um, and a, a good strategy, um, part of the reason why, another reason why we, we stopped was because uh, New York laws were pretty much preventing a lot of this stuff. Um, so it was literally like a roadblock for like eight months where it was illegal. And there's a lot of like... Uh, now, what exactly was illegal with as it relates to the law? Was it illegal to use... It was, to hail a cab? Like, yeah, they call it electronic hailing at the time. That's the term that they deemed it. And it was illegal to do that. Um, so, point blank period, you couldn't gain traction in New York. And at that point, that's when I say the biggest lesson would probably have been for us to get up and go somewhere else. I was going to say, yeah, why and didn't you guys... I don't know... I, I don't even exactly have the answer of how we would have done it. Because, again, we were dead broke at that time after this roller coaster ride. But that would have been the move. And yeah. I think that should probably... The, the, the main lesson is uh, we should have never gave up on something we actually believed in, an idea we believed in. Mm. I think that that's the main thing because there, there's always going to be roadblocks in whatever you're trying to achieve. But if you really believe that it's revolutionary, that there is a gap, there is some problem to be solved, yeah. then you shouldn't give up on it. Like we, Maybe we could have gotten venture capital if we kept trying to take other meetings maybe someone would have supported us it wasn't easy because of the legal climate but yeah. I think that that's the main thing is that you can always pivot you can always keep going and uh, pretty much anyone that's successful 
has just been pushing so hard that eventually, like, they break whatever barriers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you guys think of, you know, the... This industry is essentially called ride-sharing, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it it falls in that category. Lyft, I think, is more ride-sharing. Okay. Um, What is... So, yeah, what... Why is Lyft ride-sharing and Uber, what would you call that? Uber is, is just electronic, electronic hailing. Okay, okay. Um, that's that's pretty much what it is in this essence. And the difference is, in Lyft, I, I think you're still doing a form of a, electronic hailing. However, you're, the drivers are just regular people. And um, what a lot of, maybe the users probably won't even understand this podcast because we haven't said it yet, is that there, there are a lot of rules that go into the cab industry and how a cab driver can become a cab driver and what he, especially in New York, you need a medallion in order to work as a cab driver. It's, most medallions are corporate owned. Um, so you have, I, I would say maybe about like 90% of the medallions being corporate owned, which means they also have an incentive to to have the medallions be sort of like the brick and mortar post for everything that happens in the cab industry. And when they saw that electronic hailing could remove all the millions and billions of dollars that they put into, uh, it was a $10 billion business at the time in the United States, $4 billion was done in New York. So as you can imagine, the billionaires weren't going to let $4 billion a year slip through their hands. So a lot of laws started popping up uh, to block it. So it was really rough. Um, But the best thing to do, because it was impossible to gain traction in New York, was to try to gain traction somewhere else. And that's also why uh, these other apps like Uber, who started from San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken, were able to get, yeah, it's way more liberal, they didn't have any of these rules, Um, they were just able to do it, Uh, there were others that started like overseas in London, they were able to get funding, but no one from New York was able to gain traction and get funding, which is odd because you would wonder why the place that holds the most amount of money in, in cab rides, nobody was able to build traction, that's pretty much the roadblock that happened. Mm, yeah, I mean, I know Uber, once they started gaining traction in other cities, they were able to, and then once that VC money started coming in, yeah. they were able to fight those legal battles Yeah, right. in various cities. I mean, there's, there's, I think they might still be going through some No, they're still fighting in many cities, you yeah. know, in D.C. and in many places. I mean, I mean, Uber's attack was, uh, I mean, no, nothing short of, like, they burnt so much cash to get where they are. I mean, they, they were, at one point, they were giving the drivers the phones because they encountered yeah, the same yeah, problems yeah, we did. Yeah. They realized we have to give them the iPhones to yeah. run the program. And they were doing that. They were paying drivers fines because drivers were getting fined for picking up people since it was illegal. Yeah. Um, and they were paying the drivers fines. I mean, they were also paying they state paying, fines. Yeah, yeah. They, they were, drivers were getting arrested and they yeah. were getting people out. That's just happening yeah. in Miami. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it was crazy. I mean, I, I tip my hat off them because their product is incredible. I mean, they even have different lines now. They have X. They have, uh, you know, they have the black car service. They have, you know, at this point they they have ride sharing and, and yeah, and I mean, so I even even like on demand delivery of stuff. Right. You know, it's, is that where you guys see? Is there any is there any more innovation? And we're gonna get off of the uh, this this car stuff in a minute. But is there any more innovation that you guys see in like? This social ride sharing app stuff like what's 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 on the what's the next frontier of this stuff? I'm I'm not necessarily sure, but I think this this is actually pretty much 
the end game. I mean, when we actually thought out grab caps from start to finish of where we wanted to end, like in our wildest dreams, this was it. Mm-hmm. So this was was pretty much it. Um, I mean, uh, there I guess there's still a few competitors, but Uber pretty much has it. And there's actually one funny story um, is that when we actually made like the website and and the apps and everything, and we were monitoring who was signing up. A few people from some of these other major cab apps and companies actually signed up just uh, to check yeah, out what yeah, we were doing. Uh, so it was actually pretty yeah. funny. Uh, this is, but that's pretty much the end. The end game is uh, pretty much running transportation. And at this point, Uber has actually affected the median price of a ride in New York City. And um, so everyone is following their pricing, not yeah. the other way around. And so they at this point they've pretty much won. Yeah. Uh, which is you know, which is great. What uh what what let's talk about the other app that you guys created and sold, which was uh Fantan. Yeah. Um so Chris and I, uh, two years ago we decided, all right, now we have some experience in designing and creating products. Let's try making a company where we can do that for other clients. So, um, so we, we built a website at first, uh, and we didn't do any advertising. We just maybe uh, listed the website in uh, this, this site called They Make Apps, okay. which is a, a site just basically, you, you can put up your company if you're an app developer. It's just a listing service. Like, it's like yellow pages for, uh, okay. for like developers. Yeah. Okay. So we just put ourselves there, and that's all we did. Um, to this day, I'm not sure uh, where this client found us. I, I, it may have been from that site. I'm not sure. We never asked them. Uh, but we, we get a call from uh, you know, a very important client in Mexico and they contract us to make a soccer app because it was always been his dream to, to have uh, a soccer app that people can talk about soccer on the app. They can follow their teams. They can, uh, they can see upcoming games, schedules, pretty much a team stream for soccer. You know, um, and you know, being in Mexico, it's soccer's like the national pastime. It's like it's a very big sport for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was a passion project for the client, so he contracted us to build it for him. At the time, uh, at the time we were trying to do this for for strictly for profit, uh, but we were so we believed in his vision so much that we did like an equity deal with it, so that we'd be part owners of the app because we thought that this is something that might be very big in Latin America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we started developing the app uh, and then... And what exactly does the app do? So it's a soccer social network. You can watch the games, see the, the feeds go by and basically talk smack all around the world. So people uh, in Mexico can talk to people in the U.S., it was really popular around the World Cup time. So. And you can actually watch the, the game? So it's not a live stream, it's okay. just the, the ticker. So it would be oh, the okay, scores and things it, like it. that. Okay. Yeah. But as of our newest update, we will include live streaming for certain now, teams. Isn't, is there a network provider situation that has to, you know, like, how, how, can you, how can you enable people to watch the game if they don't have the TV deal or the cable package to watch it? Well, it's a regional thing, so okay. depending on the region, we might be able to get the broadcast rights for certain teams or certain leagues. Okay. Uh, right now, for the newest update, we have 
uh, rights for like the next certain Mexican leagues. Okay. Uh, well, I I'm not sure if we'll ever even get like the Champions League or some of the European leagues uh, to stream on on the app, but pretty much it's it's a legal battle. I mean, similar to TV. I mean, you just have to have the rights, and uh, you know they don't want competition, so it's a bit hard to get actual live feeds yeah. of of the game. So uh, I, I don't I don't foresee us being able to, to get that. Okay. What what were uh, what were the differences now? You know, you guys went from contracting other people to make stuff for you, and then now you being contracted to make stuff. Any type of what, what were the shifts and what were the things that you learned in, in that sort of role reversal? <laughs> uh, I learned that I like being on the other side of the table uh, much more. Being the contractor. Being yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, no, or rather, no, being the client. Oh, being the client. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, and, and the reason is because, uh, you know, I, I, we enjoy building products, but from what we learned, like, the passion behind your idea never matches to building up for someone else that you're not involved in. Luckily for the soccer product, we were part of it, so, and that's why with most of our clients, we try to get... Uh, an equity stake in it so we can all feel involved in the product to make the best product possible but uh, but we learned that you know without someone being passionate about the idea it's you know it's going to be hard to make it successful yeah you know yeah. and we learned that early because we a few times we had taken some projects you know at, at just like any fledgling company you take a project just to pay the bills and and and, and get further and you know when you you realize it's not worth the headache building something you don't really believe in and something that is probably not going to work and it's tough to tell that to a client mm. uh, when they believe in something and it might not be something you think could work or you know because of your experience in, in, in app development that that's probably not a good idea what are, what are some red flags like what, what do people come what are some ideas that people come with and you just know off the bat this is not going to work like what how, how, how can you tell uh the first step is whenever they approach me and say I want to make a new social network, I automatically think, um, you know, what vertical, what, what are you trying to, to differentiate? How do you differentiate yourself from Facebook or, or the existing social networks? If, uh, if they're basically telling me it's just a photo sharing service, at which I can't count the amount of times clients are approached us with this exact same product that is already out, whether it's exact copy of Facebook or Instagram, uh, that's usually a red flag because you know we're going to build something that probably won't succeed. And uh, another red flag we have is when someone is not willing to discuss their idea with us. I mean, as a developer, if you can't tell us your vision to build the product, we we take that as usually that the person doesn't have experience in this realm because you know to make the best product, you're going to have to basically partner yeah. with the person building your product, or else you can't have secrets with person building yeah. the product, and that's. Usually a red flag. We had we had these. There's these two clients that, uh, I mean, these guys came in and you could tell they were rich. I mean, they had you know, like you could tell like clear diamond earrings. Like, like they were like, you know, these guys look wealthy and they approached us and they said, we want you to make an exact copy of Vine. And they said nothing else. They said we want Vine. Just make us Vine. And we're like, you know. What, what are you planning to do? How are you going to market this? And they're like, don't worry about it. We just need Vine. <laughs> they said, give us a quote for Vine. We, we just, 
we were like, you know, this doesn't seem like this is going to work out. Yeah. I'm not going to build something. And then, you know, they think they're going to be able to market it and then uh, it fails. Um, so that's, that's. So you guys didn't end up making it. No, we didn't. We didn't. Uh, <laughs> and they were willing to pay yeah. a lot of money. But I, I mean, it, it didn't really seem like they knew what they were doing. And, you know, we want someone that's like really is passionate about the idea and whatnot yeah. when we build something. Because we know uh, it's really difficult to quantify, like, building a new product. You know, you don't know how long it could take. There will be revisions. There will be changes. You're, it, it's almost like a marriage. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Developing a product for someone because if they don't have the technical know-how, you'll always have to be involved in that product. We can't just leave our clients to hang after we build something. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that that's something we learned. Um, we also learned that developers are extremely expensive, yeah. and hiring <laughs> additional help is uh, impossible, almost impossible in this climate. Now, okay, let's talk about, I mean, how expensive, you know, what, what is the, the, the going salary for a developer right now that, an app developer that, you know, knows both of the main platforms, uh, Apple and Android, or OS, iOS and Android? Um, it, it depends on their, their level of experience. I mean, you have, I guess, three types of developers. You have the junior developer, you have the regular developer, and you have the senior developer. Anything senior is usually well over 100K. Um, anything that's just a regular developer, um, be it Android or iOS, uh, which is Apple, is usually right around 100K or between like 90, 100K. And then for junior, you can knock off 10 or 20K for, for that. Um, depending on, you know, whether they have a computer science background or things like that. There are a lot of variables that go into it, but when you're usually talking about not a junior developer, which, you know, you probably would never hire a junior developer unless you already had a senior and a regular Android or iOS developer. So you're pretty much looking upwards of 80K to, to like, you know, 150K, but I mean, Depends on what you're looking for, to be honest with you. So now, what do you tell, like, what, what, what advice would you give to, you know, kids who are listening to this that want to get into into the game and they want to be developers? Is it something that you need to go to school for? Because um, it seems like none of you went to school for this. Um, for this. No, not, not particularly for this. We're all self-taught, and, you know, if they want to become a developer, um, well, if they're in New York, I tell them to... Check out beginnerprogrammers.nyc <laughs> uh, and um, come to one of my classes. But if if you're not in New York um, and you just want to learn how to program, it is something that you can do on your own. You can read and research a lot of things online and watch a bunch of videos. Um, you could also, you know, if you happen to be in school already, let's say you're you're a high school student, you're about to go to college. You can just take a computer science class, and you will learn um, a few languages there. Um, there's a lot of ways to do it, but by no means do you actually need a computer science degree to become a yeah. programmer. What you do need, though, um, a lot of people think because uh, I guess there there are uh, we're not really like something special. There are a lot of people that are in this field, and they they don't have a computer science degree. But a lot of people take that as it's easy. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I, I would just try to shy away from that notion where you'd have to put a ridiculous amount of time in to make up for for any of the stuff that you may be lacking. 
Um, so just take that into account. It's a lot of work. And, but if you're willing to do the work, then definitely it's for you. I would also recommend working on your own personal project because there's no better way to learn than to have to work towards your own passion, your own goals. A lot of the times while we were working on grab cabs, there were things that we didn't know and we had to just research it. We had yeah. to figure it out ourselves to patch those holes. So working on your own personal project is, is some of the best motivation for picking up any skill. Yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of your own personal projects, are you guys working on anything personal right now? If we told you, we'd have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I've always dabbled in, in a few personal projects. I had one where I'm making like a, a, a men's like fashion marketplace for uh, buying and selling used and new uh, luxury goods um, so I pretty much completed with that but we had a few problems with the payment processor since uh, it can be difficult to get a payment processor to support marketplaces mm-hmm. uh, since since there's like a high return rate or problem rate when you're selling used goods people tend to complain it's not what they expected to receive so payment processors shy away from that because that's problems with credit cards yeah, yeah. Uh, but so that's that's one of my first projects that I was working on. Um, I mean, we're we're always looking for new ideas. We're always uh, like trying to find new things to build. Where do you guys get inspiration from? Or you know, I mean, we've been talking about this all weekend and and trying to figure out what is that next thing. Like, how how do you find out what it is? I mean, the first step is looking for problems. Like, you, you can't look for solutions. You have to look for problems first. Uh, and as soon as you find a problem, then, you know, we, you think, what's the best solution? How, how can you fix this solution with technology? And, you know, and then that then you can start having a, the, that conversation of, you know, what product you're going to build to fit that gap. But, uh, you know, too many people are focused on just making a product, but with no fit in this world, nowhere to put that product and you know that's that's basically a surefire way to fail um, and in order to succeed you have to find something that has a market a need yeah. and then once you examine that need you can build something for it that goes for anything not just I guess tech products yeah, yeah, yeah. to piggyback off what Ram just spoke about um, I would say that I mean in general I think that we, we work really hard and we kind of burrow when we work so we burrow and we just handle the work and we grind and, and a lot of people do that, a lot of entrepreneurs do that. I think one important way to find a problem is to not forget to live. You need to actually live a daily life in order to even observe any problems. Because if you're just grinding in the same environment, you're kind of missing what's going on in the world. Um, and when we, uh, just like when Ram spoke about the, the first idea that we did with GrabCabs, when we came up with that, we were living our active lives and just tripped over a problem. And that's a lot easier to do than sitting, you know, in front of a whiteboard and trying to brainstorm a bunch of ideas when you're not actually doing anything. Yeah. So you should always make sure that you're actually living the life and walking around talking to people and hearing the problems because you can literally hear somebody tell you a problem. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the same thing, man, with, with me as it relates to being an artist and a filmmaker. I, the... I don't. I didn't know. Whenever I have like a brain freeze on, like, well, what's my next thing? It's like it doesn't come. It doesn't come from like working for different clients and being hired for people to do things. Like, I'm never gonna get an idea like that. The way I get an idea is just by like going to concerts, 
interacting with people that are within music like me and then just being like, oh, wow, this is a thing that somebody I need to make a, a piece on, you know, and that's the way. But it's it's it comes from just daily life rather than uh, board meetings or like, you right. know, sort of like brainstorm sessions. Yeah, again, you just have to, I mean, you have to sit and think, what are problems in your life you wish could be solved? What are problems in your family, in your friends' lives that could be solved? You know, colleagues, whatever. I mean, that that's basically the way, the first step to kind of finding out what product to make. Yeah. Um, and, it, I mean, sometimes, you know, it, the problems are right in your face and you're not thinking about them. Uh, you know, you, you, sometimes you just have to step outside and really take take a look. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's Entrepreneur 101, basically, just like, <laughs> so, solve the problem. What are each of you looking to do now? Like, what's the what's the goal for the rest of twenty fifteen? Um, you know, what, what what are you looking to? What what new moves are you looking to make happen? By the end of this year, I want to make a personal product that's successful, like uh, um, hopefully a mobile app uh, that can be used by like general public. We want to make something that's not so niche that a, fr- a friend or personally I wouldn't use. You know. In the past, we've come up with some ideas which were, uh, you know, B2B or maybe they were uh, for a particular niche, but want to have something that can reach many people. Like, we want to affect a lot of people's daily lives, even if it's for a few seconds per day, make something that everyone can use and benefit from. Um, so that's uh, in terms of app goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that across the board for everybody? Yeah, definitely to speak on that. Um, we really do want something that's just for the general public because this whole time I feel like we've been speaking different languages to family and our friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell them <laughs> yeah, about yeah, soccer yeah. And, and I'll quickly see their faces just drop. It's We're in the U.S. No one cares about soccer. So uh, yeah. and I, I get excited by it because it's me learning something new. But, you know, I want to be able to, to put something out that I can say, you know, with confidence that I made, this is my idea and... And really have it be successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did all both those sentiments. Nice, nice. Well, I'm sure it'll come, man. We'll keep thinking, banging our heads against the wall. Yeah. Um. Cool, man. Well, where can people find you guys? Uh, social media, website, all that stuff. Uh. Well, Nimbus.nyc is uh, where you can find us online, uh, and see our portfolio of products. Haven't updated it in a few months. Definitely gonna put up some of the more recent work we've done. Uh, but you can find us there uh, we're also if you guys are in New York City you guys can find us there our contact info is on the site um, yeah so feel free to, to contact us I mean we love hearing new people's ideas if there's anything you guys are interested in building you know, you let us know you can catch me at uh, beginnerprogrammers.nyc um, you can come take a class come take a workshop come take a boot camp also have um, a meetup group uh, meetup.com slash beginner programmers it's grown we have about like 2700 members so far so join on there a lot of good quality content for every type of programming class you can think of and that's it yeah. that's, that's it, it. alright you guys know everything is Jabari for me um, sorry for the wait sorry for the delay like Lil Wayne says um <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, we're back. Words with friends. A lot more coming soon. Um, again, you guys can go to patreon.com. Leave as little as a $1 tip so we can keep this thing going. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. All right? Words with friends.
Peace.